Hello, my dear listener. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 39 of Self-Improvement and Spirituality in Practice, Blooming with Gracie Who. Today I'm going to talk about what is God for you? Yes, how do you see God? As a superior being who observes all your steps and takes note of all your mistakes to punish you afterward. A super demanding, authoritarian, intolerant and vindictive entity. Perhaps sadistic and even unfair. After all, you are such a good person, so why do you go through so many difficulties and sufferings in life, right? Not to mention this chaotic world we live in. But what if your view is wrong? What if your image of the creative power of the universe is just a concept that you have blindly accepted from other people? And you never stopped to question with a good deal of discernment and neutrality. Today's episode is to make you think. Because the idea of God as heavenly daddy, in addition to being childish, only serves to keep you in the attitude of a powerless child who needs to behave well in order to deserve to receive gifts and not punishments. Yes, today I'm going to shake your head. <laughs> so, if you think you can go until the end of this episode, stay with me. <laughs> Gracie here. I've been a therapist and spiritual teacher for 19 years, an astrologer with more than 30 years of studies and practice, and I'm also an independent spiritualist from Brazil. I help people motivated by self-improvement transform their reality consciously using their hidden inner powers because I developed unique methods and techniques to access our unconscious forces and intelligence to make them work for us and also techniques to do soul retrieval because i don't know if you were aware of this but the cause of everything in your life is within you and to change the effects you need to work on the cause do you want to understand certain situations in your life and change your reality for the better so stay here and let's have a conversation <laughs> What is God for you? Because it is a greater intelligence and a powerful invisible force. Humanity throughout its history has created many speculations, fantasies and illusions about it, not always based on the good sense of neutral and insightful observation, but oscillating according to political and religious convenience even. See. It is one thing to try to understand the invisible and deal with it through the forces of nature and destiny. And it is quite another to assign it a human form, morality and behavior. To reinforce identification with divine forces, the image of God was created as an elderly man with a rigid face and white beard, right? But pay attention to this. If he's dressed in red, he's not God, he's Santa Claus, okay? <laughs> Please don't confuse. 
However, this version is derived from the unconscious projection of the people who lived at that time it appeared. So, of course, humanity has evolved. But thinking about many centuries ago, even thousands of years ago, the mindset was completely different, much more immature, right? So how people at that old times perceived the world and the nature, the forces of nature, was how they projected an image to find an explanation to all those phenomena occurring around them. And my point here is how all those old images based on ignorance are still present in how people perceive God. And it's good to remember that until a certain moment in the development of humanity, it was believed that the absolute power belonged to a mother goddess. Yes, there was a time when God was perceived as a feminine figure, a mother goddess. And this at a time when women had a more relevant political and religious role than in the post-Christian scene. With the emergence of the Catholic Church notoriously rigidly governed by men. And of course, formal religions have much more to do with politics and power, money, than actually saving souls from hell, right? Especially today. So, see, religions are human creations and, as such, they have incorporated into their philosophies the interpretations and conveniences of those who elaborated them. A person with illusions tends to project them. After all, everyone believes in what they want and what suits them, right? The cult of martyrdom and sacrifice as a means of achieving blessedness is not exclusive to any particular creed. Actually, since ancient times, people have offered sacrifices to the deities, hoping to please them and placate their fury, right? But who in their right mind nowadays believes that it is possible to prevent an earthquake? or drought, for example, with the sacrifice of a virgin. Come on! However, there were those who believed in it with vehemence and faith. Perhaps you yourself, in a distant incarnation. <laughs> Primitive customs aside, it's easy to see how the ancient beliefs of martyrdom and sacrifice were internalized and remain present today in the collective unconscious. And why? Because people usually accept everything that is dictated by society, by formal institutions, so they don't even exercise their discernment, their good sense to question if those ideas, those concepts make sense today or work for them in terms of getting good results in their lives, right? It's blind acceptance of what has been told for centuries without anyone questioning. So, as much as humanity has evolved in technology and knowledge, becoming intellectually sophisticated, it still carries ancient behavioral remnants, which it didn't stop to question with reason and good sense 
not discarded because they are useless and harmful. And today it's not even necessary to follow a former religion to share these beliefs, as they are already inserted and dominant in human morality. In fact, to believe in pain as an instrument of salvation is to create a difficult and painful reality for you, something unnecessary in evolution. And as everything in life, this is a choice. You are free to believe in whatever you want. So if you really think that you need to suffer to compensate something bad that you did to yourself, that you consider a sin or a harm that you cause it to someone else, then you are telling life, you know, the invisible higher forces, that you need to suffer in order to pay for your sin. So see, it's how you program your inner software in your unconscious that is creating your reality 24 hours a day. So in my point of view, pain is not necessary to evolve in your consciousness and there's no such thing as salvation, you know, save your soul. Because I don't believe in sin and in sinners. We all do the best that we can, the best that we know at the moment. And that's why self-improvement is so important. If someone really wants to become a better person, there's no need to suffer for this. They can choose to go by intelligence, to expand their consciousness and then learn how to choose better next time and don't make the same mistakes, right? But what we see is that for centuries the human mass has become accustomed to accepting without question the religious ideas preached as absolute truths. The understanding of life has become one less thing to think about since religion has taken on theology, while ordinary people are left with worldly concerns. Then, in the face of this pact, in which each party took care of its own affairs and left the other to resolve the others, many ideas about God were passively accepted. So, at a certain point of humanity, there was a division when the ordinary people with no education, with no access at all to education, were left to their worldly concerns, like uh, have uh, work to have a decent life, or not so decent many times, but uh, work on your business, do what you need to have food on your table to uh, raise your kids and whatever, you know, have a common life. And on the other side of that division, we had those religious people who became uh, responsible for questioning and finding answers for life in general and explanations about God's will and how bad things happen to good people. So they preached the idea of uh, you are in sin and that's why God is punishing you. So you have to behave, not to burn in hell after you die. So see, this division, those people who were not responsible, the vast majority, didn't have access to those kind of not only studies, but actually politics about what are we going to tell the mass so we can control them, you know? and have power in our hands. 
And that's how, as I said, many ideas about God were passively accepted by the majority of people. But nowadays, an increasing number of individuals have questioned the old interpretations as they learned to think on their own and noticed some inconsistencies. For example, if God is good, fair and magnanimous, why are there so many beings, even animals, suffering in the world? We were taught to do good, but why are there good people with terrible disease and bad guys enjoying great health? The conventional explanation that one cannot pretend to know the purposes of God because they are beyond the reach of mere mortals doesn't answer anything and disquiets even more the seekers of truth. So it's like a child asking one of their parents about something and their parents being too proud to admit that they don't know the answer, they are ignorant about that. They come up with a silly explanation or even worse, they tell that child, when you grow up, I can explain this to you because you cannot understand it right now. It's like saying you are too dumb to understand this. <laughs> You don't have intellectual capacity to follow my thoughts. So, see, this is a stupid reaction to questions that people just don't know how to answer, right? Or don't know the answer for it. So, it's the same. If you try to understand God's will and someone assumed to be a religious person with some knowledge about theology says that uh, oh this is just God's will we cannot know his purposes this is too much for us to understand well in religious and spiritual environments groups it's very common to find a lot of ego a lot of vanity and pride and that's why that excuse can be used, because people are not humble enough to admit, I just don't know the answer. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> and if you find out, please tell me. <laughs> Share your knowledge with me. So maybe we can try to understand a little more about how life works, how this universe works, right? And actually, in my experience, decades in this path of spirituality, seeking the truth, real answers, you know, with at least reasonable answers for the functioning of life. In my experience, I can say, if you find someone that is supposed to be a teacher, a master, or whatever title they use, if that person cannot admit, I don't know, I have no idea. That's probably because they have a big ego that doesn't allow them to be humble, right? So you better filter what they say or what they write. It doesn't matter what comes from them because even if they have the good intention of being connected with higher forces, higher beings, spiritual beings. Well, one thing that I learned in my life through observation also, the spiritual 
friend that you have, the spiritual mentor that works with a psychic or a medium person, has to do with them. You know, you can know the student by their teacher and you can know the teacher by their student. So in spirituality, it's the same. You can know the spiritual mentor by their mentor and you can know the mentor, the incarnated person by their spiritual mentor because like attracts like. You cannot expect a higher spiritual being working with someone who doesn't make any effort to learn, who is not that smart, who is ignorant, who is too proud. For example, imagine that you were an excellent teacher and uh, demanding, actually. You want to have the best students. Would you accept someone who is lazy, who doesn't have enough discipline, enough patience to spend time learning and learning and practicing and practicing? No, I wouldn't. And that's why I don't accept anyone to do therapy with me. You know, I don't like to waste my time and my energy with people who won't deliver good results because they are not really willing to do an inner change. They want me to do the miracle alone, but they don't want to do any effort to change. So thinking like this is normal. It's expected that lazy people will prefer teachers or preachers with easy answers for them because this way they don't have to think too much, you know? Those teachings will be so easy to understand, so basic that there's nothing to question about them. But if you are a real seeker of truth, well, in order to obtain different answers, it is necessary to look for them in other places with different views, right? Hence, the growth of philosophical currents with diverse doctrines and even a current trend towards independent spiritualism without ties and with the freedom to believe in that works well based on experience. Today, we have different generations of spirits incarnated in this world questioning the old rules, the traditional religious rules that their parents used to follow. And that is healthy, you know, for the whole planet to evolve. However, in general, we learn early that we have to act according to the will of God, expressed in precepts and dogmas. Otherwise, we will be punished for our sins. So why would he, God, have given us will, free will, and the ability to make mistakes? For sadism, I know you are ignorant, you don't know everything, and you are not perfect, so I give you free will. You will be able to choose whatever you want, and I know you will make mistakes, a lot of mistakes, and you will even harm yourself and other people. But I still will give you this ability, the power of choice, knowing that you will make a mess with your life and with other people's lives. And I'll be watching you to punish you later for your mistakes. This would be sadism, right? It doesn't make sense. Even we are more tolerant and compassionate to children. 
So there is something incoherent and wrong in this way of seeing God. He cannot be that sadistic. The truth is that we grew up believing in illusory ideas. Yes, my dear listener, we grew up having a weird concept of God. Let's go deeper. When we are children, who exerts a dominating influence on us? Applying punishments when we are not nice, don't behave well, and don't do what is expected from us. Who does that? Parents, teachers, and adults responsible for our education, who play authority roles in our lives. And since we depend on these adults to survive, because they're the ones who, good or bad, take care of us, we learn, at least most of us, to fear threatening authority figures. Or we learn, the minority of us, to revolt against stupid and authoritarian violence. My point is, if it was God who created us, giving us life and being therefore our father, as children and without proper discernment, we easily confuse the divine father figure with the human infallible parents with whom we live. And we accept without resistance the speech that God is watching us all the time, so we cannot do anything wrong, otherwise we will be punished, as if he were an evil nanny in the service of our parents, who can keep an eye on us all the time and use this trick to keep us under control. And for many parents, their children are seen, are considered as social trophies. So if their children behave well, they will receive compliments from other people, other parents, teachers at school, as a recognition that they did a good job as parents. But when you see a child screaming in a mall, for example, making a drama, people tend to look at their mother as you are doing a bad job raising that child, right? So she will feel ashamed and she will demand her child to behave in front of others, to not make trouble. So see how this idea of an authoritarian God is used unconsciously by many parents out there as a way to control their children. If you don't behave, God won't like you and will punish you. You won't be happy. And even with adults, this speech still works, like making them experience the fear of burning in hell if they don't behave according to God's will, which is really the rules of their church or group. And this I consider psychological terrorism. You know, you make the other person feel bad about themselves, their behavior, and you plant in their minds the idea of, of a severe punishment if they don't follow the rules that are convenient to people that don't want to be ashamed by their behavior. So, uh, since an early age, we believed in this version of God. When in reality, those who actually play the role of watchman, judge, executioner in our lives are precisely our parents, our teachers, 
or whatever we consider as the authority figure. The point is that we carry this negative impression of authority figures not only throughout life, but also when it is very strong from one incarnation to another. The seed simply continues to develop in our subconscious, taking roots that go deeper and deeper. It's really a brainwash to control us, or at least to try to control us until we stop to think and exercise our discernment, to question the reasons why we are acting that way, following those rules, especially if they don't make us comfortable, if we don't feel free and happy following them. Think with me. How many adult individuals are still afraid of their parents and God's punishment? How many act seeking to please, moved by the fear of indifference or the criticism of others, the fear of being rejected, not only criticized, but really rejected and abandoned and ending up alone? How many still need to feel like beloved children to have a sense of self-worth and to feel that they are important and dear to those on whose approval they depend, as immature children in need of affection? This distorted image of God as a severe and authoritarian father has much more to do with our human parents than with the divine intelligence, which is why the generalized fear of God and even the revolt with what we consider his arbitrary will, their parents who impose themselves through fear and generate revolt in their children, right? Unfortunately. And as we still learn that we must love God and our parents because the opposite is a sin, it's not good to show anger against any act of violence that may come from them. And so you also learn to lie, to deny your own truths, not to be honest with yourself, and to feed hypocrisy and submission to avoid punishment and finally go to heaven. So see my point here. This God who is feared and to whom one prays with an attitude of inferiority and adulation, the same adopted with the parents, is a mental creation acquired by force and disconnected from the higher forces, therefore without real power except over our psyche. That is why so many people pray with faith and are not answered because they are talking to the wrong thing, wasting time and energy, in addition to trying to act impeccably to feed the vanity of being the favorite child who receives the best blessings. So if you are praying a lot and you are not getting any positive answer and your life is still a mess, consider that maybe you were praying to the wrong thing. <laughs> In other words, you are not really connecting yourself to the higher source. You are just praying to a artificial idea of the divine that you have in your mind that was planted by other people in a very wrong interpretation. It's interesting to see that it's very common, especially in adolescence, to feel relief from the absence of the parents in certain situations. 
Every adult went through this, at least once, knowing that your parents are not around to watch, criticize and control you increases the feeling of power and freedom, in addition to making us happier and freer to enjoy the moment, especially if it is a situation for two between four walls. Right? And you know what I mean. <laughs> If you are aware that your parents or no one, no camera, because today it's very common for the parents to put a lot of cameras in their house to watch everything their children do, right? But uh, if you know your parents are not there, there's no camera, of course you feel happier and with more freedom to enjoy the moment, right? However, If the parents are not physically present, there are those who carry them with themselves psychologically, worrying about what they would think and say if they knew what the person does. When the image of authority of the parents is very big, the person feels oppressed even far from them and can even get stuck because of the strong impression of being constantly watched. So, We can see adults in mature age who work to pay their own bills, who are financially independent, who may even live alone, who are still concerned and really worried, feeling fear of what their parents would think and say if they only knew what they do with their lives, what they think to do with their lives. Such is the strong impression that was planted in their mind in terms of uh, psychological terrorism to control their behaviors in their lives. It's like really listening to one of their parents talking in their heads. You shouldn't do this. You will burn in hell if you do that. They are so afraid of that inner voice, that neurotic voice that they accepted from their parents. It's like their voice echoing in their minds. And this can happen even if their parents die. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy and it really is. And now imagine that castrating authority projected on the figure of God, the person, simply cannot relax at all. After all, he, God, is everywhere and knows everything, right? Dating and having sex with this mental oppression then becomes almost a torment. The individual firmly believes in sin, judgment, punishment, and constantly polices himself so as not to upset a mental image. He doesn't live for himself, thinking of his own happiness. His motivation is basically the fear of punishment in life or after death. The fear of burning in hell. Wow, living like this is already a punishment, right? A self-torture. But, uh, you know, everybody is free to believe in whatever they want. And if they don't exercise their discernment to question those oppressive ideas, well, it's up to them, right? It's a matter of really expanding your conscience to allow yourself to get in contact with different points of view and then try which one serves you best, you know, makes you feel better, more comfortable. 
I think that it is of fundamental importance to make a survey on their own beliefs and to analyze the results obtained with them. Good or positive beliefs are those that give good results in practice and generate well-being. Bad or negative beliefs cause discomfort, oppression, discouragement, lack of anything in life, limitation and unhappiness, so they can and should be discarded since they originate from the ego, your own ego or other people's ego. They don't originate from your soul, which being of a divine and perfect nature can only generate good things. So basically, if the ideas, the concepts that you have about something cause you any kind of discomfort or suffering, it's because they are based on an illusion that comes from your ego and you can and should discard them, get rid of them because they are not working for you, they are being oppressive to make you suffer. And any idea that uh, makes you feel good and produces good results in your life, those beliefs that really work on your favor, you can be sure that your soul will never want you to suffer. And any idea, advice, suggestion or inspiration from your soul will always make you feel good. And that's how you can know if it's really your soul talking to you or your ego through the sensations in your chest inside of you. If you feel comfortable and good or not. So see, we cannot be afraid to confront our beliefs, to question them. After all, the responsibility for what we do in ourselves and our lives, consciously or not, it doesn't matter, is ours. Life you see, I don't like to use the word God because it's overused and misinterpreted by many people according to their conveniences. So I rather use the word life with a big L to define the higher force that created everything and rules the universe. So, as I was saying, the responsibility for what we do in ourselves and our lives, consciously or not, is ours. Life does not matter in this, as it has already endowed us with the power of choice. See, we are co-creators, meaning we create what we believe in, because our beliefs, things that we give importance to, concepts, ideas that we consider truths, they program the software that is running in our unconscious 24 hours a day, even when we go to sleep. And that software is creating our reality. So that's why it's so important to pay attention and really select the thoughts that you feed your unconscious mind with. Even your conscious mind, but whatever. Everything that you give importance to will program your software and will create your reality. So indirectly, you are responsible for your reality, what you attract and experience in your life, even without knowing it. But here I am explaining something very important, the secret behind how reality is created, which is much deeper and powerful than the law of attraction. 
We can live without pain, suffering, sadness, difficulty, disharmony, violence. We have the option of giving importance to good or bad ideas. And understanding this mechanism makes all the difference because we realize that we can change our existence, modifying our way of thinking, feeling, being, and acting. That is, promoting an inner transformation. And, of course, I'm talking about self-improvement, making an effort to not only acquire different knowledge, you know, useful knowledge, but really transform your life by changing who you are, becoming a better person. And when I see someone saying, oh, I acted like this because I am this way, like there is nothing I can do. Well, you can choose to do differently. You can choose to change, you know, to become another person. You don't have to be like this for the rest of your life, especially if the results you are getting with this behavior are not good enough for you. You are not completely satisfied with your way of being. And, you know, everything that we do has a piece of us in terms of reflects our inner constitution. So if you are working hard and you are feeling stuck and frustrated with the results, it's because something inside you, probably in a very unconscious way, is not working according to your goals, right? So as I always say, if you want to change the effects, you need to work on the cause. And if the cause is within you, you need to do some inner change. So that excuse I am this way and there's nothing I can do because God made me this way. <laughs> so keep suffering, keep being frustrated and don't complain not to me because I have a very different way of thinking, a very different point of view about everything. So you complain to God, okay? You made me this way and I'm not happy with my life. So it's God's fault. And then with this attitude, what happens? You put yourself in the inner attitude of the powerless victim. And if you feel like a powerless victim, victim of the circumstances, of God's will, of bad karma, of bad luck, of whatever, if you feel that impotent, so there's nothing you can do but sit and cry on your misery, right? And complain about your unhappy life because you are a victim and maybe you can feel like a sinner because if you are not receiving any blessings in your life, that's probably because God doesn't like you and is punishing you for some reason, for not being a good child. <laughs> It's your choice to think this way. I have nothing to do with it. And that's why I'm so demanding with people I work with in therapy. Because I can do miracles. I know this. People call me a miracle worker. I do soul retrievals. I negotiate with sabotaging subs. I work with people's inner forces and intelligence to change their reality. I do this. But if they are not willing to do their effort to keep a good relationship with their forces afterward, then there's nothing I can do. I do my part, but and then it's up to them to keep the good results, right? And not mess with my work later. 
So if for any reason I realize, and I had cases like this before, in many years being a therapist, if I realize that the client is not really into doing a minimum effort to do a change in their lives in terms of changing themselves, their behavior. So I am the first one to give up, really, because why would I care if they don't care that much, right? It's like being alone in a relationship. You are the only person doing any effort to make it work. So I rather don't work with clients like this, lazy clients who like to play the powerless victim and want me to be the one that will save them, transform their lives because they will be paying me for that. <laughs> really, I don't like to waste my time and energy with that kind of person. So there's no money that can make me change my mind. You know, I rather spend my time and energy doing anything else like watch a movie or read a book because uh, I have to be honest with myself first. So, uh, for example, if you have an outfit that doesn't fit you anymore or that you don't like because you think it doesn't suit you, you have the option of getting rid of it, right? So it is also with the beliefs that are carried in the mind. No matter how long they have been there, how and at what price they were acquired. If they do not contribute to a better existence, if they only feed inner and outer conflicts, you can make the choice to get rid of them and acquire new, better more positive and functional thoughts. This is true even for the concepts wrongly learned about predestination, karma, and divine will. Be aware that you were free to believe in whatever you want. You were not obligated to believe in what you were taught to, in what your parents believe your friends, but also if you don't like to have arguments with people, because, you know, this area, religious and spiritualist beliefs, is very delicate, right? So when dealing with people that you know think very different from you, you better keep quiet. That need to impose a point of view reflects a lot of ego and insecurity also. If you are okay with your beliefs, why try to impose them to other people? Why try to convert them to your beliefs or your religion? This is lack of respect, mainly. You can do whatever you want with your life. You can believe in whatever you want, but pay attention to what you give importance to. Because as I said, it will program the software in your unconscious that will create and is already creating your reality. And that you are responsible for, not anyone else. You are the only one who can program your inner software or allow ideas from other people to be part of it. So back to the beginning, what is God for you? What are your main beliefs about the divine force that created you and rules the universe? If you believe in pain, in suffering and punishment, 
to compensate a bad behavior, well, you can change your point of view. So that was my message today to really shake your mind, <laughs> shake your head. <laughs> and But, the, you know, not only this, my intention is always to make you reflect and think to expand your consciousness because your thoughts can free you or give you the sensation of being in a mental prison not allowing yourself to have a more pleasant existence in this life. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Stay well and we'll talk again in the next episode.